For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Another edition of Over the Line. That is correct. Here we are with your Wednesday edition. Is that what today is? No, today's Tuesday. This is a Tuesday edition, Andrew. Get it together. Gah. It is June, July. I'm out of it, y'all. July the 21st, the 2020, the 2020, there's no other 2020, there's no other year like this year, and I hope, I don't know how to check it, I don't even know if I labeled this, this video right, did I, does anybody know, is it right, I, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know how this thing works anymore, I feel like I don't even know how to use this chat over here, but whatever, whatever, doesn't matter. You'll notice if you're watching live that we're doing the show way early, way earlier than we normally do. And there is a perfectly good explanation for that that mainly revolves around the fact that I uh, I, I have to get some sleep tonight. So I'm trying to clear my schedule. I did I did label it wrong. Is that what is that what we're saying? I, I'm having to clear my schedule tonight so I can get some friggin' sleep. If you've been listening to me on the radio this week, you know the situation. There's no explanation for it. Nothing. It's just it's just been two back-to-back days of, of no sleep. For whatever reason and I'm sick of it I'm going to take approximately 700 milligrams of melatonin at about 7 o'clock and then we are done. We're done for the night. I'm over it. I even thought about wearing uh, sunglasses for the show because I have bags under my eyes. That's how tired I am. What is this guy? 
There's a hair on my camera. Let me get that off there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm delirious. Um, uh, oh, oh, the the title is correct. That's good. That's that's good to know. Um, I'm a bit delirious, but we're gonna have you guys a podcast, and that's what matters. We're going to be consistent. No, y'all just know that the fact that I'm pumping these out means I do care about you guys. Especially those of you that enjoy listening to the show. For those that hate listening to the show, I don't care about you. I'm talking to the people that care about the show, that like the show. That's why I'm putting myself through this misery. So, uh, I'll be I'll be relieved to have this out of the way. We, we may start doing it early, all the time. Who knows? I, we, we'll just see what happens. Um, alright, let's go. Y'all ready? Off the top. There's not a, I mean, there's some news out there. There's not nothing crazy uh, outside of what we've been dealing with. We're currently waiting on a, a White House news conference in the White House press briefing room. I don't know what exactly that entails because I know Kaylee McEnany, McEnany, she came out earlier in the day, earlier than normal. It was like 10, 11 o'clock and did her press briefing. Uh, I tried to, I tried to take a nap, and then she came on, and I was like, oh, got to listen to this. So let me get up. And then I started moving around, never got any sleep. But there's a couple things hanging out there. First of all, this is the first thing I saw when I sat down in the studio to get ready to put this out there. Is that Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, and I don't know if there's other phone companies involved with this, but they're starting to shut down Trump's campaign texting program. Now, what is a campaign texting program? That's just a thing where, and I don't know if you've got to be signed up to it or if campaigns just get their hands on people's phone numbers. I don't think they're allowed to do that. But they send out tax. Hey, support Trump, donate to Trump, do whatever, da 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 You know, some of y'all get them. I get them. I know I get them. And it may just come in the form of you signing up for something or purchasing something online, and then they get your phone number. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile have shut down those texts for the Trump campaign. Now, these are pretty big for presidential campaigns, especially in the day and age of cell phones. Everybody's staring at their cell phone all the time. You're always checking your text messages so they can keep a constant stream of, hey, remember, Trump's got you back. You're going to vote for Trump in November, blah, blah, blah. But these three companies took it upon themselves to temporarily shut down this texting program. A Politico reported, I saw a Politico report yesterday that Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T flagged potential regulatory problems with the Trump campaign's messaging operation. Within Trump's orbit, many continue to speculate that big tech companies are looking for, or, or looking to influence the election against the president, which would be no surprise to anybody. It always turns out to be an accident or a misunderstanding, but it's always against Trump or it's always against the conservatives. There's been countless times Facebook or Twitter have flagged or removed tweets of Trump campaign ads. Just little nitpicky things, whatever they can find to pull these ad downs, even if it's temporarily, they'll do it. If they can save some eyeballs from seeing it, they'll certainly do it. 
So when you think of big tech, it's, we're not just talking about Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or whoever. We're talking about the people that provide you your cell phone service as well. They're all in it together. They're all pumping money into Washington behind one particular candidate, behind one particular party, in hopes of getting favors on the back end. And the reason they don't pump money into the Trump campaign is because they can't seem to get any favors out of that campaign. They can't seem to 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 give a bunch of money and for somebody to come to them and say, hey, I appreciate the money. Don't worry. Remember how Obama treated the Russians uh, when he was first being reelected? You just tell uh, Vladimir Putin that once, once we get reelected, we'll have some leeway. We can work with you. We'll give you what you want. Trump campaign's not doing that. So that's why big tech's not behind the Trump campaign and actively working against them. These people have a lot of power and they can certainly influence an election if gone unchecked. So that's going to be something to watch in the coming days, in the coming months as we move towards the election. Another one, as we're talking about opening schools back open, if that makes sense, opening schools back open, getting schools back open, a lot of people are going to the two candidates and saying, what's your plan? We all know what Trump's plan is. He's made that very clear. Hey, open the schools, no holds barred. We got to do it. It's more dangerous not to. Joe Biden, on the other hand, when he's asked about schools, he says things like this. Hold on. Let me see if I can just play the audio. I don't even want to read it to you. It's it's so absurd. I don't want to read it. I want to just play it for you. Hold on. You'll work with me real quick. I know. I know. I know. I know. Just hang tight. This is what Joe Biden said when he was um, speaking with a Muslim group yesterday. It was video conference, something or another on Twitter. For, uh, for t- thank you for taking the time for watching today. Look, one of the things I think is important, I wish, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. So <laughs> when Joe's asked about... When Joe's asked about opening and reopening schools, his response is, well, you know, honestly, I think what we need, what our schools are really missing is uh, a teaching more about the Islamic faith. That's, that's really what our school children need. That's what they're missing. One of the things I think is important, I wish, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. Mm. Yeah, that's going to get Middle America really excited to go out there and vote for Joe, huh? We just need to teach more about Islam. That's what our schools need. Enough of this other subjects like math and geometry and biology. We need an Islam course for our children. Because, you know, once you get out in the real world, you is <laughs> knowing Islam like the back of your hands going to come in handy. Maybe in the case of avoiding a terrorist attack. Did I say that? I didn't mean that. I kind of did, but... So that's what Joe Biden's doing on the campaign trail. Uh, Over to middle America, in Missouri in particular, St. Louis, you remember we had uh, the, 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 the man and woman who came out with their guns and they were kind of waving them everywhere, like, you know, <laughs> not really practicing 
proper gun safety, but they had the protesters burst through their gated community. They were hostile, marching down their street, hurling obscenities, threats at them. They came outside to protect their property, came out with their guns until the protesters left. Nobody got shot. Just a couple people, just a couple that were standing out there with their guns, making sure nobody was going to harm them, the, their property and, more importantly, them. Well, the local officials there in St. Louis decided they wanted, wanted to slap felony charges on this couple for those actions. As we all know, as Second Amendment-loving Americans... There's nothing that these people did that was wrong. Each and every one of us would have done the exact same thing. We would have probably known how to hold the gun and not be pointing, pointing it at each other. But we would have done the same thing. But instead, these officials decide they want to charge them for being outside and harassing, harassing these protesters with firearms. Well, the Missouri Attorney General, he's come out and he said straight up, here's the deal. We're dismissing these charges against this St. Louis couple. We're not having it. You know, of course, he's got to go through the process, so he's just seeking the dismissal, and it may be a deal like we're watching with Michael Flynn right now, but these this couple, they have the support of the Constitution. They have the support of the Attorney General in Missouri. And the support of a lot of people across the country. I don't know much about this couple. I've seen what's been reported. But I know one thing. No matter who they are, what they believe in, where they're from. They have every right to stand on their front steps with firearms while an angry mob marches past. An angry mob that they've watched destroy entire cities. They've got every right to stand out there and hold their firearms until the angry mob passes. I haven't talked a lot about that story, but that's that's been in the news for the past week, week and a half, and it's uh it's all coming to a head as the judicial system is now fighting itself in Missouri over whether or not to charge this couple. We'll see what happens there uh, on the coronavirus end of things. Baltimore, following somewhat following Alabama's lead with the mask mandate, they have now mandated masks for everyone, including children as young as two years old. That is correct. If your child is two years old, they are mandated to wear a mask. Anyone above that two-year-old mark has to wear a mask in the city of Baltimore. You've heard me talk about it time and time and time again. The masks are nothing but virtue signaling. There was nothing more true than what Dr. Fauci said from the beginning, which was the only thing the mask is doing is making people feel safe. That's it. And if that's your purpose for wearing a mask, more power to you. If y'all are out there wearing a mask because you want your neighbor, you want the person passing you in the aisle at the grocery store to feel safe, God bless you. 
That's that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine with me. Do what you want to do. But once we get into this realm of harassing people, calling each other names, calling each other selfish because they're not wearing a mask, that's where the line gets drawn, cuz. There's too much evidence to support the opposite of what everybody seems to believe now. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Once governments, state governments, start mandating who does and doesn't have to wear a mask, that's where the line gets crossed. Now, for business owners, business owners should have the right to mandate masks in their store. If they want you to have them in there, fine. If they don't, they don't. Win dixie well, actually, it's it's the parent company of, of Winn-Dixie, which I think is called Southern Grocers. Um, they have announced that they are no longer going to force people to wear masks inside the store. They're not going to stop you. But they came out and basically said, hey, here's the deal. We're watching all across this country fights break out. People get shot, all kinds of altercations, and we're watching associates in stores, employees, getting into altercations over whether or not somebody has to wear a mask. We're not going to put our, our employees, our shoppers, our security, we're not putting them in harm's way over your stupid mask. Their life, their health, their safety is not worth it. So if you want to come in our store and wear a mask, that's fine. If you don't want to come into our store because you know there might be people in there without masks, that's fine too. But our rule here at Winn-Dixie is going to be, you ain't got to wear a mask. And I'll tell you what, just for the, just for the sake of the common, common sense that's coming out of Southern Grocers in Winn-Dixie, I'm going to make it a point to shop there. The next few times I go to the grocery store, I'm going to Winn-Dixie just because I want to breathe in that sweet oxygen that's filled with common sense. And just smell it and taste it. I feel like it's been so long since I've had common sense in my lungs. And I want it. <laughs> that's what it is. It's common sense. That's all it is. And we've lost it all across this country. There's no more common sense. It's all stored at Winn-Dixie. Also, common sense does not lie in the media either. I saw a headline before starting this podcast about a documentary. Now get this. This is, this is, this is good. It's a documentary being produced by CNN and HBO Max. I don't even know what HBO Max is. Just a... Is that just one of the 15 HBO channels that nobody ever watches? HBO Max and CNN are filming a documentary that follows female journalists who are following... <laughs> they're following female journalists that are following failed Democrat presidential candidates. <laughs> yes, you heard that right. So they're going to be following female reporters who were covering Democrat candidates that didn't make it. 
How riveting do you think that show is? How absolutely... <laughs> Listen, I, I, working in media myself, and I've got friends that are reporters, but I'm going to tell you right now that the overall landscape of reporters in the media, especially when it comes to politics, and really any other genre, I saw a lot of this in sports reporting too, there's a lot of nerds in that industry. I mean, just straight up nerdy, weird people that you wouldn't want to hang out with, that I wouldn't want to hang out with. People that I wouldn't want to go have a beer with. It's just the industry. And it's really, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, radio's kind of the same way. Radio is filled with a bunch of nerdy people. It's a little different in radio because you've got a mixture of nerdy people with some large egos, which is a real bad mix. You take somebody that was picked on all through high school and give them an ego because they get put on the radio, it doesn't turn out well at all. But this industry is, is filled with those people. Now, I don't... I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm making sure I'm not pinning anybody. I don't want to pin for being nerdy. Most of the radio people I surround myself with now do not fall in that category. But I have worked with them before. I have. And I've run into them, whether it's sports conferences or NASCAR races. And you think, you find any nerdy people at NASCAR races? Oh, yeah. When you're hanging out at the media, in the media tent, nerds are all over the place. So my point of all that is to say, I personally wouldn't waste my time watching this documentary of females female reporters following failed Democrat presidential candidates. Because it may be the most boring documentary ever produced. And I'm a documentary nerd, okay? A documentary buff, if you will. I don't use the word nerd. I'm a buff. And I won't even watch this. It sounds absolutely, absolutely awful. Not to mention... Reporters these days are not only sad, depressing individuals, they're sick and twisted, and on many different levels. On the lower end of things, you've got people like uh, a Rolling Stone writer whose name is Jamil Smith. Now, Jamil Smith, senior writer, Rolling Stones, he says the term pro-life needs to be retired because it is used in the service of not just misogyny, but also racism. Pro-life, the term pro-life, is not only misogynistic, but it is racist. You got it. He said, ironically, the governors most willing to watch their citizens die are the ones who have used pro-life rhetoric to compel people of faith to support the narrow interest of corporate greed and white political power. COVID has revealed how the pro-life movement is killing us. He said, uh, pro-life needs to be canceled just like Aunt Jemima and the Redskins 
Washington Redskins mascot or team name. Huh. So there's those guys out there. You can you can find some absurd uh, uh, analysis like that on any given day in almost any left-wing publication, whether that's Rolling Stone or it's AL.com or it's the New York Times. But there are people that are much more sick and sinister than that in the media. And the most recent one that comes to mind is the New York Times reporters or editors that are currently trying to dox Tucker Carlson for no other reason than they want to silence this guy. And I'll play you Tucker's segment where he talked about this. But basically, they're doing a piece, the New York Times, doing a piece on where Tucker lives, his home, where he raises his family. Not to assert that he's doing anything wrong or that he did something, but that, hey, this is where he lives. Isn't this such a nice house? How cool is it that Tucker lives here? To then allow the crazies that we watch on TV every single day, burning down cities, taking over police precincts, to then go to this man's house. That's the purpose of it. Here's Tucker Carlson, in his own words, talking about this very hit job. One more thing before we go tonight. Since this show began almost four years ago, I've really tried not to talk about myself on the air or even use the first person pronoun. The last thing this country needs is more narcissism. It's not very interesting anyway. People who use the word I a lot tend to bore everyone but themselves. But tonight we're going to make an... I think that's me, by the way. I think I do that a lot. And I'm sure I bore a lot of people. Anyway, proceed. Exception to that rule, we don't have much choice. Last week, the New York Times began working on a story about where my family and I live. As a matter of journalism, there is no conceivable justification for a story like that. The paper is not alleging we've done anything wrong, and we haven't. We pay our taxes, we like our neighbors, we've never had a dispute with anyone. So why is the New York Times doing a story on the location of my family's house? Well, you know why. To hurt us. To injure my wife and kids so that I will shut up and stop disagreeing with them. They believe in force. We've learned that. Two years ago, a left-wing journalist publicized our home address in Washington. A group of screaming Antifa lunatics showed up while I was at work. They vandalized our home. They threatened my wife. She called 911 while hiding in a closet. A few weeks later, they showed up again at our house. For the next year, they sent letters to our home threatening to kill us. We tried to ignore it. It felt cowardly to sell our home and leave. We'd raised our kids there in the neighborhood, and we loved it. But in the end, that's what we did. We have four children. It just wasn't worth it. But the New York Times followed us. The paper has assigned a political activist called Murray Carpenter to write a story about where we are now. They've hired a photographer called Tristan Spinsky to take pictures. Their story about where we live is slated to run in the paper this week. Editors there know exactly what will happen to my family when it does run. I called them today and I told them, but they didn't care. They hate my politics. They want this show off the air. If one of my children gets hurt because of a story they wrote, they won't consider it collateral damage. They know it's the whole point of the exercise, to inflict pain on our family, to terrorize us, to control what we say. That's the kind of people they are. 
They'll deny this, of course. They'll claim it's just journalism, just the facts. Really? So how would Murray Carpenter and his photographer Tristan Spinsky feel if we told you where they live, if we put pictures of their homes on the air? What if we publicized the home address of every one of the soulless robot editors at the New York Times who assigned and managed this incitement to violence against my family? What about the media editor, Jim Windolph? We could do that. We know who they are. Would that qualify as journalism? We doubt they'd consider it journalism. They'd call it criminal behavior if we did it. And that tells you everything. These people are absolutely sick individuals. Because as he stated, they know what the exact result will be of putting Tucker's home address out there, of showing where he lives. It's already happened once. And they'll do it again, especially with what we're seeing with the left right now, with how radicalized they are. In right-wing media, in conservative media, Tucker's got the number one target on him. He's public enemy number one for those people. Where Rush Limbaugh used to be back in the 90s, that's where Tucker is now, and they will do anything to silence him. They've already thrown out sexual harassment charges against Tucker and Hannity just, just lately. Very flimsy charges that will probably never stick. The New York Times knows that, so they're going the next step. They want to use force to silence him. What better way to silence him than to make him decide between this TV show and the safety of his family. Because they know Tucker's a better man than they are. They know Tucker's got more morals than they'll ever have. And that he would choose his family if it comes down to it. But that's the way they get what they want through force. That's why... It is a scary thought to think of these people in power via Joe Biden. If Joe Biden wins the presidency, those are the people that will be in power. And people like Tucker, people like me, and people like you will be punished for your sins of ever supporting Donald J. Trump. They will make your life a living Hell, you can guarantee it. Also, a little bit of good news. Uh, a good news that relates to what's fair is fair. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If that's the saying. I think it is. In one city, here in the good old U.S. of A., in Redwood City, California, much like a lot of other cities across the country, they painted a giant Black Lives Matter mural on one of their streets. Big, blow, bold, yellow letter saying, Black Lives Matter, to remind people that Black Lives Matter because, one, in case we forget, and two, in case we haven't heard that phrase a bazillion times over the past two months. They've got their big mural. They basically deemed this street public property in the sense of being able to 
express yourself with art. So a person by the name of Maria Rutenberg approached the city council and said, hey, now that we've deemed this a public forum, this street, a public forum for us to express ourselves, I will be unveiling my own mural, and it's going to say MAGA 2020. Once she did that, the city, not so surprisingly, removed the Black Lives Matter mural. <laughs> they were wanting to avoid a potential lawsuit, so they said, you know what, this is no longer... Um, this is no longer a public forum. We're taking it away. <laughs> so the moment this lady was like, we're going to put MAGA 2020 right beside the Black Lives Matter. If that's cool, it's a public forum. They're like, uh, no, we changed our mind. Black Lives Matter, gone. They're in Redwood, California. Redwood City, California, should I say. The president is speaking now, and I know it's it's kind of pointless for me to play the audio of the president because a lot of you won't be listening to this live so we'll skip over that but I'm sure if there's anything that comes from this we'll play it on tomorrow's podcast make sure you check it out we'll be back with a brand new podcast tomorrow don't really know what time that'll be if you're looking to watch it live we're just kind of uh, doing it this week. But you can always catch the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube. And you can find all the info you will ever need about this show right there on the Over the Line Facebook page. Also, Parlor and Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who. We try to keep that updated as well. So check it out, follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do. And we'll do it all over again tomorrow. But until then, see you, cool.